Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we're all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want to get more information about what is going on here at the Met, then head over to our website, metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media. So please be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now please enjoy the message. this morning? There's a lot of new people here. You know I don't do that. Okay, we got to have better than that. Okay, we need more energy. How are we doing this morning? Yeah, there we go. Good, 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 good. We are so glad. We've been in a series called Rerouting. And, uh, and if you've missed any of the previous weeks, make sure you go to metchurch.com and watch these messages because Bill has been doing such an amazing, amazing job of showing us how that when our life gets off track, God reroutes us. You see, Proverbs 16.9 says this. It says that if our plans don't line up with God's plans, we'll never succeed in life. And so that's what this whole series has been about. It's about how to align our lives with God's plan for our life so we can get the most out of life. And today I'm gonna talk to you about a key component in making that happen. But before I do that, I've got a question for you. How many of you have ever heard of this phrase, like new? Have you ever heard of the phrase, like new? You know what I'm talking about, like new? Okay, I'm actually familiar with this phrase because my wife is the queen of eBay and buy, sell, trade, okay? She is always on eBay and buy, sell, trade. Not buying stuff, she's getting rid of stuff. My wife does not like clutter, and if she thinks we have too much stuff or if she doesn't need anything anymore, she is putting it up for sale. She's getting on there. My kids and I, we have this joke with each other. We're going, we better stay busy instead of better stay useful because she's going to put us up for sale on eBay. She's going to get rid of us all. So we know we have, to, we have to be staying ready, but she's always on these sites getting rid of stuff. Well, if you ever go there and post anything, they have these little drop downs that you can use to describe what you're selling. And one of the drop downs is like new. And it just tells the person that uh, is looking at this item that you bought it new and you really didn't use it at all. And so they're getting this like new thing at a greatly reduced price. And if you've ever been on these sites, you can get a lot of good deals on these. You can get great deals on these sites, but you know what the best deals are for like new prices? products, the best deals are exercise equipment. Exercise equipment. Yes, you can save hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars uh, for consumer grade exercise equipment on these sites. And when I see this, I ask myself, I'm going, why would you pay so much for something and never use it? I mean, it doesn't really make sense, does it? Why Why would you have something and not use it? But let's get real. A lot of you have done that, right? There's a lot of you who have done that very, very thing. I mean, you went out, you went out, and you said, I'm going to get this. You got an elliptical, or you, or you got, a, got a treadmill, and, and you got on it for a couple of weeks, right? And all of a sudden, you don't do it anymore. And now it looks like this, right there. <laughs> looks just like that. It becomes, it becomes this high-dollar extension of your closet, doesn't it? It, it, it becomes this, this, uh, this, this really pricey clothes hanger that you have. Now, I, can, I have to admit, I've never done this, okay? We, we, we own an elliptical, and we have never, ever done that. But that's because we don't keep our elliptical in our bedroom. We keep it as far away from clothes as possible, so it's just never there. We actually um, have our elliptical in, in the room where we watch TV, which leads another problem to, uh, for me because it's right next to a recliner. 
It's right next to a recliner. So every night when I come in to watch TV, I have this choice. Am I gonna get on the elliptical while I watch TV, or am I gonna get in the recliner, okay? And it's actually a pretty easy decision because what I found is when I get on the elliptical with my potato chips and soda, I just really make a mess. I just make a mess. So the, so the, the, the recliner always wins. But why do we do that? Why do we have things that we don't use? And think about this, because this is interesting. Think about it. when you bought it, okay? When you bought this thing, this, this treadmill or this elliptical, when you bought it, you bought it because you believed in it, right? You believed it was gonna change your life. You believed it was gonna get you in shape. It was gonna make you feel good about yourself. You were gonna be able to put on those pants that you hadn't been able to button. It, you were gonna be able to wear that dress that you've been wanting to wear. You believed in this. So when you go on these sites, when you go on eBay, you go on buy, sell, trade, and you see this exercise equipment, it's on there not because people didn't believe in it. It's on there because people didn't act on what they believed. See where I'm going with this? See, believing doesn't make a difference. It's the doing that makes a difference. Believing doesn't make a difference. It's the doing that makes a difference. And one other thing about exercise I'm gonna think about exercise. Isn't it true that it's better with a buddy? Isn't it true? It's so much easier to work out when you have somebody else. It's easy for me to work out with somebody else because then I can complain to somebody because I hate working out. So I like having somebody there. But it's easy to work out with somebody else because if you work out by yourself, you can always convince yourself not to do it, right? We can always do that. But if you're, having, if you're working out with somebody else and that alarm goes off in the morning, it's hard to roll over when you know you got somebody waiting on you. So when it comes to exercise, you realize that accountability counts, right? Accountability counts, but what you realize too is it happens in other areas of our life as well. I'm not here today to talk to you about exercise and exercise equipment. These two dynamics, believing doesn't make a difference, it's doing that makes a difference, and accountability counts, are true in your faith journey as well. They're true in your faith journey as well. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you're a Christian because you believe. Right? That's why the New Testament calls us believers, because of our belief in Jesus Christ. See, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We believe that, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We believe that on the third day he rose again. We believe in what Jesus teaches. We believe that our life will be so much better if we just follow his ways. But so many believers don't act on what they believe. I mean, think about it. Do you forgive everybody? Hmm? Do you love your enemies? Do you? Be honest. I see your Facebook. I know a lot of you struggle with this. <laughs> I mean, I do. You struggle with this very thing. All right? There are a lot of you here who haven't been baptized. And Jesus was very, very clear on what he thought about baptism and the importance of baptism. There's a lot of believers who don't tithe, who don't give generously. There's a lot of believers that don't put others ahead of themselves. I mean, I can go on and on and on, but the truth is we don't always act on what we believe. And when we don't act on what we believe, what happens, it gets our life off track and we have to be rerouted because if we want to have all that God wants for us and his plan for us, we gotta be in alignment with him. We've gotta be in step with him. And here's the key that what you need to understand. You can't do it alone. There are no solo Christians. 
There are no Lone Ranger Christians. You're in this room because somebody prayed you up and got you here. And you're staying in this room because we need each other. We can't do this alone. The Apostle Paul, you know Paul. Paul's the guy who bursts on the pages of history as the Christian hater. He hated all Christians. He thought everything that was wrong in the world was all because of Christians. They were ruining everything. So it was his life ambition to round up and persecute and kill Christians. And he was really good at it. And then he became one. And then it was all about everybody had to become a Christian. And he travels all around. He plants churches all around the Mediterranean Rim. He writes over half of our New Testament. And if you look at his, re- his writings, if you read his letters, there's an underlying theme to everything that he writes. And that theme is, we need each other. I call it the one another list. He has this one another list. And he says, this is what you have to do if you want to act on what you believe. He says, you need to love one another, forgive one another, accept one another, care for one another, encourage one another, submit to one another, restore one another, carry one another's burdens, bear with one another. He's saying, if you want to be in step with God, if you want to follow and live out your faith, it's not just about you. It's about the you next to you. You see, it's not so much about what you believe privately, it's how you behave publicly. You gotta realize that you are gonna be on track, you're gonna stay on track when your focus comes off of yourself and onto others around you. That's what it means to be in step with Christ. Now this can be eye-opening for a lot of people. It was eye-opening for me Because you might have grown up like I grew up. See, I grew up believing that my faith was personal and private. It was none of your business. My faith was between me and God. And as long as I lived a good life, as long as I live a moral life, as long as I went to church and I gave my money to church, then me and God, we were fine. Everything was fine. And some of you might believe the same way, that it didn't matter about what you thought, what anybody else said. It was about me and God. And what, as I grew up, I started realizing that was Old Testament thinking. That was Old Covenant thinking. See, remember in the, in the Old Covenant that God made this arrangement with the nation of Israel, okay? It wasn't between God and, and all the people. It was with the nation. He gave them all these rules. And as long as they followed the rules, then they and God were fine. That's what it was about being fine. Didn't matter about what the other nations, didn't matter about all this. It was between God and the nation of Israel. Well, Jesus comes along and he turns that all upside down. Now, Jesus says, yes, you need to live a good and moral life. Yes, that's important. Yes, it's good to be generous. You need to do that. It's very important, but it's not enough. Because this new covenant is between God and everybody on the planet, every individual. And that you cannot be right with God if you're not right with the people that Jesus died for and the people that God loves. That it's about the one another's that for us to be right with God, we need to be right with one another. We need to be with one another. We need to help one another, encourage one another. And so that's what I'm gonna talk about today is how we can stay on track, how we can stay on the path. And to do that, we need one another. And so we're gonna look at a couple of passages of scripture out of the book of Hebrews. We're gonna look at a couple of scriptures out of the, uh, the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is in the New Testament. Now, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but we do know who it was written to. It was written to uh, Jews in the first century who became Christians. 
Okay, these Jews have become uh, Christians. It was written somewhere around 60 uh, years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And it was written to a bunch of Christians that were actually having trouble acting on their faith. They were in trouble living out what they believed. And the reason why they were having trouble doing that because it was hard. It was hard, it was a tough time. And they're going, man, it's hard to love people who are persecuting us. It's hard to, 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 to forgive people who are killing us and doing bad things to us. It's hard to be a light into the world when the world is wanting to stamp out the light. It's hard to do it. And I think a lot of us face that every day because we come here in church and, and we hear, hear the word of God and, and, and we sing praises to God and we pray to God and then we go outside of these walls and the world smacks us in the face, doesn't it? And it gets hard. It's like, man, I don't, I don't know how I can keep forgiving all these people when they're saying these things about me. I don't, I don't know how I can, can keep loving these people with all the things they're doing to me. But he's saying, if you wanna stay on the path, you're gonna have to learn to do that. And that's why we need each other. Because it seems easy to get off track. But what the author is saying and what Jesus is saying, what God's saying is, it's a tough road, but it's the best road. This might seem easy, but it's not the best thing for you in the long run. This will change your life to stay on this path. And so that's what we're gonna do. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to Hebrews 11. And we'll start in the first verse. It says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the insurance and the assurance about what we do not see. He starts off by just giving us the biblical definition of faith. This biblical definition of faith. Actually, it's the definition of faith. I mean, whether you're a Christian or not, you've experienced some kind of faith. You know what he's talking about. This is faith. Let me tell you why you, you've experienced this before. If you have a job or you've ever had a job, there was a time that you sat in front of somebody and they said that I'm gonna pay you this much an hour or I'm gonna pay this salary to you and every two weeks, I'm gonna give you a check. And so what you did is you got up every day and you went to work and you did what they asked you to do. Yes, what did you do? Knowing that you were gonna get paid and believing you're getting paid in two weeks. That's faith. Faith is believing that somebody's gonna keep their promise. That's what it is. You just believe somebody's gonna keep their promise. And it says, this is what the ancients were commended for. The ancients are talking about is all those Old Testament characters you heard about in Sunday school when you were growing up all those uh, people you might have heard Bill talk about, you know, Moses and Abraham and Isaac, all of these people. And it says that this was the faith they were commended for. They lived every single day knowing that God was gonna keep his promise. They stayed on track. They acted out what they believed because they believed God was gonna keep his promise. That's what we think of as faith. Faith is knowing that we can trust God, that God will do what he says he's gonna do. And because God is gonna do what he says he's gonna do, I can keep in step with God. That's what faith is. And then if you read Hebrews 11, it starts listing off all of these, these faithful people in the Old Testament, all these people that had great, great faith, that, that lived out their faith. That's why a lot of times we refer to Hebrews 11 as the Faith Hall of Fame, because it lists all of these people out. And then it skips over to about verse 13, and it says this. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They kept acting on what they believed their whole life when they died. But then it says, but they did not receive the things promised. 
They never got a paycheck. They worked this whole way and never saw the, the promise fulfilled. It says they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Now the promise they're talking about is the promise that God made with Abraham. Remember, he says to Abraham, I'm gonna make you the father of a great nation and that through you, I will bless the entire world. Abraham believed him and he lived every day believing that and he acted on that belief and he died never seeing the promise. And his son Isaac believed in the promise and lived every day believing in the promise and he died and never saw the promise. And his son Jacob believed every single day and he kept living this way and believed. And he died and never saw the promise. And generation after generation never saw that promise. Moses didn't see the promise. The nation of Israel didn't see the promise. But they always kept faithful and acted on what they believed. And this is so convicting, isn't it? Because think of how fast we give up on God, right? Think about how fast we just turn and do things our own way. I mean, if we're facing a tough situation, we're facing a, a difficult circumstance, and we pray to God on Monday, and if he hasn't fixed it by Wednesday, we're giving up on God, right? It's like, come on, God. I've given you a couple days. Let's do something about this. I mean, we treat God like we treat exercise, right? When we get into exercise, we're all in. We're ready to go. I'm gonna do this. I'm finally gonna make this, this change in my life. I'm gonna feel better by myself. I go out, I buy that treadmill. I'm ready to go. I'm on it on Monday, man. I'm on it. I'm on it on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I am on it. I'm doing it. I'm sweating. And on Saturday morning, I get up and I skid on that scale and I look down. If I haven't lost 50 pounds, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I mean, I tried. I'm putting this thing on eBay. Somebody's gonna get a good deal. And these ancients are going, are you kidding me here? We lived our whole life and never received the promise, but we kept walking that path. We kept acting on what we believe. And then he starts listing out more great people of faith that kept believing, knowing that God was gonna keep his promise. And then he kind of sticks it to us, kind of sticks it to us. He says, some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Everything was taken away from these people. They suffered for their belief. And the author is saying, and you want to give up on God, why? What are you going through that's so bad that you have to go off and do your own thing? That you're not trusting him anymore? What is it? What are you going through? That person did what? That's why you can't forgive them? That person did this, so that's why you can't love them anymore? You don't like this person, so you're not gonna lift them up out of their circumstance? Is, is that what you're trying to tell me? Because your world is so hard? Look what these people went through. And then he says one of the most powerful lines, I think in the, in the New Testament, it says, the world was not worthy of them. And I think he put it this way because I think he was looking at himself thinking, man, I cannot believe what these people went through for their faith. 
of what they encountered for their faith. And I think he was kind of questioning himself. I question myself when I see this. I'm going, man, I need to be stronger. I need to do what I need to do. But I think he also put this there for us to realize that walking the Christian life and the life that God has laid out for you is, is not easy. Just like exercise, exercise is not easy. I'm telling you, if somebody comes up with a pill that gets me in shape, I am the first one in line to take that pill. Let me just tell you, I will take that pill. But it's not happening. It takes work. And the Christian life takes work. If you're gonna stay the course, and that's why we need each other if we're gonna make it happen. We need each other to do that. And it continues. He goes on, he says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. He was saying God saw what they were going through. God cared about what they were dealing with. God was there for them. But the reason why they didn't receive the promise was because he had something better planned for us. And here we are, 2,000 years later, halfway around the world from where this took place, and we're celebrating God's something better. See, what the author was saying was all of these great people in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to Jesus. They were looking forward to what Jesus was gonna do on the cross and ultimately what he was gonna do three days later. He said, but all of you that he was writing to and all of us, we're on the other side. We're looking back. We're looking back at the fact that Jesus did die on the cross and he did rise again for our sins. And there is no reason why we shouldn't be walking the path that he has laid out for us. There is no reason why we shouldn't remain faithful, that we, we shouldn't do what God has called us to do. That's what he's saying to every single one of them, to all of us. And then he continues, he says, therefore, therefore, because God has kept his promise, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since we have all these examples of people who kept their faith before the promise was even fulfilled, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let me just kind of put this in a little paraphrase here. What he's saying is, enough with the excuses. Enough with the excuses. Because we can all come up with excuses, right? Oh yeah, I, I normally forgive people, but I'm not forgiving that person. You should see what they wrote about me. You should see what they said about me. I'm not doing that. Oh yeah, I, I want to love everybody, but I can't love that. I can't love that. Yeah, I want to be there for people, but you know what? I really don't want to associate with that kind of person, people. And he's saying, enough with the excuses. Yeah, I know, I know God wants me to serve and do this, but you know, I got a lot of things on my plate. Yeah, I, I know God wants me to give, but, but, but you know what? There's other things that I'm spending my money on. And he's saying, enough with the excuses. Jesus died and rose again for you. Excuses are done. He says, get back on the treadmill, get back on the elliptical, and run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And he puts the word perseverance in here. It's because it's gonna be tough. 
It's gonna be hard. But just like with exercise, don't you feel better afterwards? Don't you feel better about yourself? I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. You start doing that. You get to that point where you go, I don't mind seeing myself in the mirror anymore. Well, it's the same thing with just your whole image. I like looking at myself because I see Christ because of what I'm doing. That's what it's about. So how do we do that? Well, we don't do it alone. We do it with each other. And this is what the author says in, in uh, Hebrews 10. He says this, he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. We don't use this word unswervingly right now, but it's kind of a cool word. I like this. All it basically means is don't waver. He's saying, you became a new creation in Christ. Don't go back to your old way. That's what he's saying. Don't waver. Don't go back. It's the fact that Jesus died so you can have this new life. Yes, this way is easy. It's easy to fall back into this side. But no, stay the course. Don't waver. Because God fulfilled his promise. And God keeps his promises. And we can trust his promises. Now it's time for you to act. And what are you supposed to do? He says, let us consider how we may spur one another. There's the word. There's Paul's word. One another on towards love and good deeds. Now this word spur, it's kind of a, you know, we, we kind of hear this and we think, you know, that's cheering, that's encouraging. You know, this is, it's, it's football season. We're back here in the fall and everybody sees that. The people are in the stands and they're cheering and they're encouraging. Some of you are gonna be encouraging the TV uh, this afternoon, right? You're gonna be in front of it. You're gonna be yelling at it as if the people there can actually hear you, but you're there trying to encourage them. This is actually the best time to cheer for the Cowboys because they're undefeated, okay? So this is the best time, you know? So we actually do this now. They're, they're undefeated. But what he's talking about at this point, he's not saying spur from the stands. Spur means that you are on the field next to him. You're in the game. That you're at a point where you can actually change what's happening. You are so close to each other. You're so close to each other that you can change. And we need to realize we need each other. Turn to somebody next to you and say, I need you. Okay, now turn the other way because you need the other person too. <laughs> you need everybody. We need you. That's what he's talking about. He's being so close to each other that when you see somebody starting to drift and starting to go down roads they don't need to go, that you have permission to go back and say, no, 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 no. That's not where you need to be. That you have permission to do that. That when you see a couple and they start trying to do this a little bit, that you have permission to go, no, 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 no. Come back. This is where you need to be. This is the road you need to do. When you see a, a, a child of, of friends of yours that you're, that you're so close to these people that they've kind of thrown up their hands, they don't know to say their child anymore because they keep going off, that you have permission to go talk to that child. This is how close he's saying. He says, spur them on to one another towards love and good deeds. Ephesians 2.10 says that we were created for good deeds. God created us to change lives. God created us to make a difference in other people's lives. And we need to spur each other on to do that towards love. What, remember Peter, remember Peter, the apostle Peter, he traveled with Jesus all through the ministry. And then when it got tough, what did he do? He wavered. When Jesus was arrested, he wavered. And he goes back to his old life. Goes back to his old way, right? And Jesus is beaten. 
and he's crucified and he's dead and he's buried. But then he raises from the dead. And what does Jesus do? He goes to Peter. He goes to Peter and he says, do you love me? And that's what Jesus is asking all of you here. He's saying, do you love me? And Peter said, yes. And y'all are saying yes, right? And then what does he say to him? Feed my sheep. He says, if you love me, it's not just about you. It's about the you next to you. That you are gonna grow in your faith. You're gonna grow in your own life when you're starting to help the people around you, when you're making a difference in the lives of the people around you. And you saw Peter's world turn. Here was a guy who was fearful. He was scared of what was gonna happen to him. And after he encountered a risen savior, he was bold and he preached the gospel. And he was like, I don't care what you do to me because I've seen my savior and he's alive. It changed his whole life. And that's what we're here to do. It says, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Now, when I grew up, when you hear this, pastors would use this to say, you need to be in church. That's what that verse is. They use that to go, you need to be in church. And I'm here to say, you need to be in church. But I don't think that's what he was talking about there because they didn't have these kind of things back in the first century. What he's talking about meeting together because the, the churches in the, in the first century, they were in, they were in houses, they were, they were in groups. They were in a place where actually they could look at each other in the eye and they could actually spur each other on. You've heard me say this before, that here at our church, we believe that circles are better than rows. We love you in rows. You're in rows right now. In rows here. But see, in rows, all you're doing is looking at whoever's speaking up here on the stage. When you get in a circle, you're looking at each other eye to eye. This is where you can get into each other's lives. This is where you can make a difference. This is where you can spur each other on. This is where you can see life change, not just in you, but in the people around you. That's how you spur each other on. You're in this. Don't give up on doing it so that you can encourage one another. The word encourage just means to give courage to somebody. Why do we need to give courage? Because it's hard. It's hard to walk and live for Jesus at my office when I'm the only one living in and, and walking for Jesus. It's hard to live for Jesus and to act on what I believe at my school when I'm the only one that's living and acting on what I believe in my school. It's hard to act and live for Jesus in the stands when I'm the only one acting and living that way in those stands. But that's what we've been called to do and that's why we need each other to do it, to encourage each other because we've been called to be a light to the world. That's what the author was saying these first century Christians. I know that it's tough, but you were sent here for a purpose to change lives, to be an example, to be a light. And that's why we all need each other to make this happen. So I wanna give you three questions before we go. Three questions. And the first question is this. Is anyone outside of your family spurring you on to live out your faith? Is anybody outside of your family doing that? Are you the Lone Ranger Christian? You're gonna be able to do this on your own. You got this all set. 
Let me tell you, there isn't any. You're just walking a, a slow path away from God. We need each other. Does anybody have permission that when they see you drifting to go, hey, 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 come on back? Have you given anybody permission to do that? You need to answer that. Second question, have you given up meeting together? For some of you, the question is, have you ever met together? Have you ever been in a circle? Have you ever had people that can look at you and love you for who you are even when you don't love yourself that much? Have you been, have you given up on that? And then finally, third question is this. Have we, thank you. Uh, who outside of your family are you encouraging to live out their faith? Who outside of your family? Because remember, it's not just about you. It's about the you next to you. God is using each one of you to change somebody else's life. Think about your own life. Think about where you are in your faith right now. I bet you you can think of somebody who got you to where you are right now. Somebody who poured into your life. Somebody who sacrificed for you. Are you doing that for anybody else? Hmm? We're back in the fall now. It's hard to believe it's fall. I wore a jacket. I wore a jacket today because it's a fall. Kind of a mistake. I'm really hot up here right now. I'm just telling you. <laughs> but we're back in the fall. And this is when we start ramping up all of our groups and getting everything going. And if you're not a part of a circle, you're setting yourself up to go off track. But also you're missing a blessing. We started a, a new ministry last year called Rooted. And uh, this Rooted was actually a little funnel that into what we have as life groups. And it was a great way for people who had never encountered any type of groups before to get in there and to dive in. And we saw so much life change through this rooted groups. Lives were being changed through that. We were baptizing people. It was changing lives. It was changing the people that had been in groups before but had never gone through it. It was unbelievable. And I know you're looking at me like going, yeah, you have to say that. You're the pastor. That's how it goes, right? Well, here, I want you to take a look at these people and it changed their life as well. I think the biggest thing I took away from Rooted was the part in the study where it says, uh, no matter what you do, what, where you go, you're always going to be strategically placed to make an impact on others and to glorify God doing that. And so I really try to keep that in mind every single day. And I can see where God is working in my life um, when I keep that in mind and I'm aware of it. and. Um, and to bring that to others and to know that maybe a smile to other, another person or at my work, in some way I'm honoring Him and glorifying Him. And that is good enough for me and that is the one thing I can take away from Rooted that it means the most to me. I think what set Rooted apart for us from other studies we had both done was finding our purpose. We were at a crossroads in our life as I retired from the military and we settled back here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, 
between the, the study itself and the daily readings and our life group and those relationships that we built within that group, we're able to open our hearts and invite the Holy Spirit in and, and allow Him to guide us and truly find what our purpose was and how we were meant to be glorifying God as, as we walk daily uh, with Him. And for us, that, that's what set Rooted apart from other studies. Being in a circle will change your life. And just like what it said in uh, Hebrews 12, enough with the excuses. Because it's kind of like with exercise. Think about right now all of the stuff that you did instead of exercise this past year. Think about everything you did instead of exercising, okay? Now add it all up. Comes to a big fat zero, doesn't it? But if you were to exercise this whole year, just think of how your life would be totally changed. Well, it's the same thing. We can come up with excuses of why we won't be a part of a circle. And all those excuses at the end of the year are gonna come up to a big fat zero. But if you get a part of a group, it's gonna change your life. So before you leave, I want you to go to the information and say, I need to be a part of a rooted group. I've never been in a group before. I'm kind of worried about this. It's kind of scary for me. And they're gonna say, that's okay because everybody else is scared too but you're gonna meet some people that are gonna change your life. Go there, sign up, and be a part of that. If you're already in a group and you've kind of been wavering, you're not always there all the time, you've been in a life group as far as doing that, it's time to get back in. And if you don't like your group, go to Rooted and get a new group, okay? Hey, you know what I mean? Hey, just say I need something else. But be a part of a group, our life group. We're meeting next week. I think we're meeting next week, right? I got some life group people here in my group. We're meeting next week. Same way with your students, because we have students that have life groups. We got the seniors at, at my house. So if you're a senior at any of the schools, guess what? You're coming to my house tonight at six o'clock. Ask somebody for directions. I won't be there because I also have a, a daughter who's a freshman, and so I go to the freshman life group with her. So you can go to that one. So we have life groups for all of our high schoolers and stuff as well. So be a part of a group if you haven't been out of that. And if you are in a group, guess what? We still have stuff for you because we have Bible studies that you can go as a group together and learn together. We've got incredible studies. We've got one on David. We've got uh, uh, Elaine Burton. She's one of um, our very own. She, she writes her own studies and they, uh, the Burtons leave a, a life group as well. But she writes and she's doing a study uh, this fall called Dynamic Living. And it's all about this series, which is about living the life that Jesus died for you to have, having that dynamic living. It's a great study for you to do this. So don't leave without going and signing up for something. It will change your life, and it'll also change the lives of the people around you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the fact that no matter where we go, no matter what we do, you are always there lovingly bringing us back in, no matter how far we stray. And God, we just thank you for the one another's that you place in our life that keep us in check, that hold us accountable. Because it is so easy to waver. God, we just pray that you just give us the, the energy and the focus to listen. Because we can always come up with excuses. But if we really think about it, God, we know your way is best and we want that. So again, thank you for the people you put in our lives. And God, we just pray that you put people in our path as well that we can influence, that we can spur on. Because it is about bringing people closer to you and having them walk in that faith. And, 
And if there's anybody here this morning who's never taken that first step, who's never actually put their total trust and belief in Jesus Christ, God's been talking to you this whole time. He's been talking to your heart and he's saying, let me in. If that's you, open up your heart right now. It's easy. Just say, God, I've been doing this all alone and it ain't getting me anywhere. And I'm ready to bow my knee to you. I'm ready to surrender my life to you. I realize that you love me. You love me and you sent your son to die on the cross for me. And he died for my sins and he rose again. And I believe that. And so I surrender my life to you. I give my heart to you. That's what you believe. You're now ready to start walking that path that he has for you. But don't walk it alone. Let somebody know and get signed up because we don't want you to stray and we don't want you to waver. God, again, we thank you for all that you do. Help us to be a light as we leave this place. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. If you have any prayer needs, we'd love to pray with you. Just come forward, we'd love to do that. You have a wonderful, wonderful week. I hope your team wins unless they're playing the Cowboys. You take care, bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week. 